you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The Around the NFL Podcast. Won a Stitcher Award, I think. Where the hell is that thing? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with some heroes. Patrick Claibon, back in the house. Chris Wessling, back in the house. And Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Greg, still in the house. Greg's still here. That excited. Oh, it's important to have reliable. <laughs> it's good to have the guy that you know is there. Greg's here. Wes, how was your vacation? <laughs> It was wonderful. Couldn't have been better. I feel like you crisscrossed America looking for a Reds win. <laughs> yeah, I'm still looking. I'm still looking. It's not good. We ate very well, which is something I haven't been able to do for the last very year. Very good. But, but uh, this was the great fried chicken sandwich tour. You know, oh. we, just, we just ate great fried chicken. I mean, let's be honest here, and this is a good conversation to have with Mark. Mark will be back on Wednesday, by the way, so we should better get this conversation in now. <laughs> I mean, pound for it's related to food, especially, but meat and a fried meat product. I mean, pound for pound, you want to talk about just a delectable, sinful, delicious sandwich, a fried chicken sandwich. Let's fly. There's a wide range of how well they can be made prepared for you. You can have some basic fried chicken that you'll never want to eat again. But the best fried chicken sandwiches, it's like, all right, I want to eat that again tonight. Mm. Your thoughts, Patrick Claibon. Welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. I I love getting that. Direct message from Greg. Rose. Anytime you get a, a DM from Greg Rosen, oh, you know it's special. Like, oh, anyway, I got some juice here. We'll yeah, <laughs> and then he's asking me to come on the show. It's even better. I've gotten some lewd DMs from Greg. Though, so maybe <laughs> it's not. It depends what kind of DM. Like, well, who hasn't? Wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, the problem with a, a fried chicken sandwich sometimes people go too much on the bread. Yeah, and, and it it takes it's a, breading on the chicken right, too. You yeah, got to be careful. Let me let the chicken be the star. Can we just yeah? Do that? Hey, absolutely. Hey, if you want to put a little buffalo sauce on it. Yeah, I'm not gonna be mad about that either. This trip, this trip reminds me of we once. My wife and I had a summer of fried chicken in in New York. She used to have little projects. She would like basically make it her 
you know, your wife project, is chef. My yeah, Emika. She was looking for the best fried chicken in New York, so we just spent the summer crisscrossing the city. These not, are not very, the whole country, but looking for the best that we could find. Very worthwhile project. Yeah, and we. I think we found it. We had fun. I don't write remember. it down. I'll be. In I don't York remember later. who won, but this year it was, it was a great summer. Okay. One last thing on sandwich talk. <laughs> Isn't it true Sorry, that you not and... quite as bad on the waistline as the summer of milkshakes? That was, Ooh, that was tough. interesting. You, Patrick Claybon, and your wife often have a sandwich Saturday. Ah, uh, yes, pre-child. In the in the in the tour of the planet, one of those fun things to get wiped away as soon as you have a child. <laughs> yeah, we we can't necessarily go. Well, now that Malcolm's a little bit bigger, uh, we can probably take him to more places. But yeah, we every Saturday we went to one of these renowned sandwich shops in L.A. based on some asinine list. <laughs> oh wow! And we created our own list. That's adorable. It's good. How much you have that list? Yes, Gusta, uh, I, I believe is how you say it. All right. Venice. And Greg, if you could circle back with uh, Emika and let me know what is the best fried yeah. chicken you had. Okay. Okay. I can think of a few. Good talk. Good talk. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, it is April the 9th, uh, which uh, is a bit of a quiet time on the league calendar. Let's face it. The draft is about two, two and a half weeks away, and things will catch fire then. Uh, but we'll let you know what's going on. Wes, you're coming back at a good time. This is like when I like getting Wes on the show. We can really dig into like just a lot of speculation and just basic thoughts and like you know loosely formed uh, opinions on what's going to happen this year. Definitely, it's good yeah, to have you back, Wes. We got in at about two in the morning. I was just telling Greg before you came up here that this is the part of the off season where I have to convince myself that my job even matters. <laughs> <laughs> so we will go through the news, such as it is, uh, as well. As a yeah, a segment that ties into this type of this time of year, off season slash draft narratives. Are you buying? You selling? You holding? Ah, got three options there. Three options. I don't know. I, should you hold in a segment like this? I no. guess so. And no. I mean, poor podcasting. I mean, you gotta yeah, you gotta, no, you gotta take a step. You can hold if you want, but maybe there will be some judging eyes. Is is there a conceivable situation where you could? Show some onion, just hang some onion on a hold. Is that possible? Uh, maybe, maybe we'll find out today because I think Greg might have something cooking. I feel like the way he's replying. If I'm you're just saying I don't want to all be selling. I feel like there's going to be a lot of selling, <laughs> and so maybe it takes more courage to hold. Sometimes I feel like if you're going to be that's holding all. on a podcast, maybe the medium isn't for you. Mm, that's Ooh. fair. It's fair. A lot of hot takes. I got a good <laughs> feeling about this show. Uh, all right. Let's get into it and start with a suspension of a uh, widely respected linebacker in the NFC's South Division. North? South. <laughs> okay, let's do some news. <laughs> we go in the closet. We're all in the closet. The door is flying open back there. The door is flying open in the front. And me and a, a, a person we made a lot of friends tonight here in the kangaroo, we're holding the door shut, uh, trying to keep everything from flying around back there. It's crazy. I mean, you know the voice. If it's like a silkier version of Barack Obama, that's Patrick Claybon's voice. <laughs> wow. And I want to say that Absolutely. that's a compliment. Um, when I do my research before the show and do a little digging, Claybon working his way through the ranks back in the day, stumbled on a video of... Uh, Why does your research include watching old Claybon <laughs> clips? What does Listen, that have to do with the show? Don't dig into the, the, the method behind it, but just know that I found this YouTube clip of Patrick surviving a tornado. Where was this? A little background. This was in Graysville, Alabama. Right. And so the, there's severe weather coming through central Alabama, 
and me and my uh, sports producer that day, uh, Chris McCulley, we're just sitting there. You know, everybody's loading up umbrellas and getting all this material. And you just feel left out. Right. And so it's like, well, where are we not covering? So like idiots, we charge out into the storm to go uh, cover a spot in Jasper, Alabama, where nothing was happening. It's like a Twister 2 plot. Yeah. Think. And uh, people are holed up <laughs> in a hotel. We're there with them. We did a report. And then it's like, all right, let's go back. So we see our friends are at a gas station on the way back. I'll pull in to say what's up. Uh, our friend Mike interviews a little girl. And then the lights drop. Boom. Black. The door, the um, the sliding door, the automatic door yep. at the front, starts buffeting loudly and cracking. Mm. And so the gas station attendant puts everybody in the freezer. Uh, Mike is doing a live hit. The, the top of the ceiling is shaking and the door flies open. And that's the sound bite that we had there. And me and some random guy go grab the back of the freezer door and trying to keep it from blowing off. And then uh, 30 seconds go by and everything's quiet. It's wild. I was saying to Claybon on our instant messaging service that shall not be named uh, that I was lucky enough. And you know, all these people complain uh, if you grew up in the Northeast. Oh, I can't believe it's still winter. Oh, I hate it here. And it's like one thing you grew up in the Northeast and I wasn't around for uh, Sandy five years ago or whatever, but you really miss out on most of the extreme weather and those type of events. Tornado, Wes, I'm putting it right at the top of the scary natural disaster power rankings. I've never been involved with one, but just imagine that bastard coming right towards you, churning away. It's similar. So I grew up in, in the Midwest, which is Tornado Alley. We had a lot of tornado watches, but it's similar to an earthquake where I realized that a year or two after living in L.A., that you sort of just have to give yourself up and turn yourself over to Mother Nature because you can't fight it. You just sit in your bed and say, do what you're going to do with me. Treat me like a rag doll because for a minute of my life, I'm not going to know what's going on here. So you didn't go down to the basement? You didn't do anything like we that? Did, we just, did that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were just like, F you, tornado. No, I, I think it's more, look, na- Mother Nature is not some Disney movie. It's a killer. Mm-hmm. It will eat you, and it's feeding time 24 hours a day. So, Patrick, I'm, I'm putting Tsunami at the top of the yeah. rank. Yeah. So, I, hey, listen, I, I, hey, Tsunami, that's a good one. They all suck. I mean, that's the weird thing about coming out here one. To, to L.A. And, like, earthquake happens, and then people are like, oh, that wasn't nothing. And I'm like, the ground moved. Like, it, Yeah, straight up. It, it, people are in danger, and all these situations, like like Wes said, tsunamis, it's coming for Tsunamis it. atop the power ranks until you get a huge volcano eruption or yeah. a meteor coming yeah. from outer they space. They all hey, suck. Those are very good. Life though. is precious. Very powerful. <laughs> Um, all right. Start with Thomas Davis. Glad everybody's alive for now anyway. The Carolina Panthers linebacker announced on Twitter on Friday he violated the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. That will cost him the first four games of the 2018 season. <clears throat> and uh, Davis uh, left a two-minute video on his Twitter and social media profiles explaining it Uh He was completely caught off guard. He said he took ownership of the situation. Uh, But this is Davis, the 2014 Walter Payton Man of the Year. So this is a bit stunning, Claybon, for a guy that has really been the face of that franchise. Uh, So this is a little bump in the road in his career, obviously. And you mentioned Walter Payton Man of the Year, and that's something that you saw in his response because you kind of measure how people are by the way that they respond to these things. And before we even knew about it, Thomas Davis has a two-minute and I think 30-second statement looking dead on into the camera saying he's not a cheater. He never intended to cheat. But if, if you go to the NFLPA website, the list of banned substances is scrolling 26 pages long. Oh! 
there's a lot of wow. places where you, a guy could get caught up. And in terms of Thomas Davis, I, I, I believe him here. I, I do. And I also raised my eyebrows when he said he hasn't taken anything different in the last six or seven years. And I believe that. So I do wonder about you do wonder about the testing a little bit. Like, why why would you fail something now? And this has happened with different athletes that they they fail a test with a substance that they've been taking for a long time. Like, it just makes you wonder about the efficacy of the testing in general. Uh, Davis is 35 years old. He just turned 35. Um, possibly will have a lesser role this season, but to start the season, Shaq Thompson is going to get a lot more work with Thomas Davis out of the lineup. In other news, Andrew Luck, uh, obviously the big mystery, the great mystery of the offseason right now is where will Andrew Luck be in week one? Will it be on the field? with a uniform on and shoulder pads and a helmet and he's barking out play calls and he's taking that hike and he's throwing the ball downfield that situation or will really be painting a picture with words thank right you there. thank you or it'll be the one where he's on the sideline in the tracksuit and with the earpiece in and depressing everyone and it will become you know, a big part of that telecast just shots at Andrew Luck. We don't want that. We want him on the field. And he spoke to the media uh, during phase one, the start of phase one of the Colts offseason program. He said he is yet to throw, as he calls it, the Duke, which is the NFL football, official football. He's been throwing smaller type balls. And uh, we need the siren sound drop for that one. The Duke has potential to become one of those words. Yeah. That the NFL writers just pick up on, and then everybody's saying it one year, and then you go back the next year, and nobody's saying it ever. <laughs> it has that. It has that potential. And uh, here's also what uh, Luck had to say about where he is physically right now. I'm not a perfect feeling athlete right now, you know, by any means. So there's still a focus on me to make sure that I can feel really, really good, and then be unbreakable. You know, I don't. I don't want to put myself in a situation where, uh, where this happens again, and I have to go through the same thing again and again. Uh, so, uh, as far as a breakdown or percentage, I'm working on throwing technique and, and a lot, but it's hard for me to give you a number there. Wes, your thoughts after watching and listening to Andrew Luck today? Well, I guess, I guess if you're mining for a takeaway, it's that don't expect him to be on the practice fields much this offseason, that he's really aiming for training camp after so much optimism, perhaps misguided last year. The Colts have been very careful about the message they've been putting out. And Luck has been careful about it. Everyone seems confident, and uh, probably the most honest anyone's been has been Frank Reich, Frank Reich on our podcast. Hey, now. When he said, we hope that quarterbacks go you know, right in front of us, all the picks in front of us, because we're that confident that Luck's going to be ready to go in week one. But it, 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 we're all just guessing until you actually see him, as he said, without a governor on mm. in training camp. What is that? A governor is something that go- – it's like a restrictor plate in NASCAR. It, it controls what you can and can't do. Oh, I, He's I saying without limitations. I think that has a chance like the Duke to <laughs> take over. <laughs> Everyone's – you know. you never been in a golf cart and felt like you could get more out of it? I, I always dream when I'm in a golf cart that I could really let it loose. That's the that, governor? That's the governor. Oh. If you lift the seat and yank on a few wires, you can, you can mm. kind of alter it there depending on – where seems ambitious for you. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a lot of work and under the hood stuff, uh, which I don't have skills at. So, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. What, Greg? Greg? Yeah. Um. I, I listened to it and I just wondered like how difficult this entire process has been for Andrew Luck. I don't know if he's. I think he finds some solace in literature. 
And I think he's been reading a lot. I don't know if it's been self-help too, kind of in the mix or whether he's talked to people about it, but he had a lot of guilt for having disappointed his team. He thought he was a distraction. I think he's such a smart and obviously motivated guy that just this has been kind of a year of struggle. And he's trying to, and he seemed very positive today. Like he was in a good place today, but that had taken kind of a long time to get to that good place. He also looked like he was jacked more than you've ever seen him. So that's a good thing. Yeah, maybe part of that, the guilt you're talking about, if he if he does in fact have guilt, is what he's saying about some of the the methods and his recovery last year. Maybe not skipping steps in a lazy way, but trying to expedite the process led to him having a setback, and he wants to get everything right this time. Yeah, as a guy who's never been in this situation before, he's used to playing football this time, throwing it this time, and he he f- fell into that. And I, what I like about this stage, the, the 2018 version of the luck injury story, is like Wes mentioned, the honesty. Like we're going to be upfront about our cautious optimism. We hope he's back. If he's not, we're not going to do anything stupid because he's the most valuable person on our team, and we don't really have any actual hope without him. So we're we're not going to do anything dumb. And I, I like I appreciate that. Versus, oh yeah, he's he's good. He's going to be back on Tuesday, and then Tuesday rolls around, and right. next Tuesday when. When he was speaking about skipping some steps in the process, I don't think you had to read too far between the lines to look back at the 2016-2015 season and how the Colts and Andrew Luck, who wanted to be on the field for his team, kind of handled the initial injury. And I think if if they could all do things over again, and they tried to get Luck to talk about this, that's really the point where I think they would do things really differently. Meanwhile, on the throne of Sleaze, the Boston Herald reported that uh, Rob Gronkowski was, quote, chastised in front of uh, other Patriots players for being a TB12 client uh, last season, early in the prior season. And that incident uh, was a, quote, big part of Gronkowski's irritation with the team that, I suppose, uh, lingers into the present day. Um, so we'll see uh, what that means. And I, I think, Greg, uh, you are program to say don't worry about this big deal but bloop, bloop, well that's but. that's been your narrative this offseason right that i just say by the way i knew i wasn't gonna be able to finish the no. setup i was just gonna say that no. and then greg no. was gonna get mad at that, me and start talking that, that's been your narrative all this offseason but what was your narrative last offseason it what? was that i was downplaying the patriots <laughs> and that i always say that they're terrible that actually no they're they're you know they're not guaranteed to win a Super Bowl that I was downplaying. So you're basically saying I'm the exact opposite this time around. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Every year you say they're, you know, they'll, you know, they'll be fine. I'm not worried about them. But last yeah. year, as you were saying, as you guys were saying, give them the Lombardi Trophy in April, cancel the season. They're guaranteed <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. Right. And I was saying, well, I don't know. I don't think they're a perfect team. I don't think. I think they've so got can't issues. Win. That's what I'm saying. You said Super that bad. was ridiculous. That I was always downplaying, which is basically the opposite. All right. Well, my point is, are you worried about this? You. Usually when I ask you this question about the Patriots, are you worried about blank? You say no. Are you worried about this situation, situation the Alex Guerrero, uh, TB12 method, Brady, of course, that's led to some heat with Belichick. Now Gronk is doing the same method, looking trim and fit, and Belichick not happy about that either. These are the two most important players on the team, and there's friction with the organization. I'm concerned about Gronk's distaste for whatever's going or 
ambivalence about the Patriots and playing football in general because he's the second most important player on the team. The Guerrero specifics aren't that important to me. It This was a story Tom Curran reported about a, a while ago that they got on him it, about his training methods. It, I think it was just Belichick making kind of a sarcastic comment about it uh, during training camp last year, and you know, Gronk, it stuck with him. And it has not been officially announced by Mr. Tom Brady that he's playing this year. <laughs> I'll say it again. Or, I love Tom Brady. Or Gronk. Or Gronk, but, you know, most importantly, Tom Brady has not come out and said, I am playing football this year. You know, last the last couple of years, Dan, you and I have had a back and forth on Tom Brady and you wanting to uh, – the gradual decline was setting in. And I was yeah. on the opposite side of that. I, I'm not going to take that stance this year. Uh-oh. Mm. There's some smoke to the fire. When he's talking publicly about the end of his career for the first time and that his family might not want him to play anymore – uh, to me, Tom Brady sounds like a guy who's more near. He's accepted he's more near the end of the line. The age 45, I, I think want to play. Emotional. We'll see about you, that. You're coming off a Super Bowl lot. Well, uh, moving on. Uh, I mean, how many times does this have to happen before people start do, stop doing bits at the airport security line? Oh, not the place for bits. Packers wide receiver Trevor Davis arrested this weekend, charged with uh, making criminal threats after making a joke about a bomb at LAX, uh, the public information officer, uh, Rob Pedragon, <laughs> Pedragon, told ESPN Davis was taken into custody, released uh, May 3rd court, court appearance. Uh, he was asked basically, and this was the bit, Claybon. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when are we going to learn, people? Uh, he was asked, and this happens. He was on. A, he was heading toward uh, on a trip, I guess, to Hawaii. He was asked if whether there was any aerosol cans, knives, weapons, or ex- explosives in his luggage. Davis turned to his female companion and asked if she remembered to pack the explosives. He was then taken into custody and booked. Can't do it. Can't say bomb. Shouldn't do it. Is it? Our, our whole lives are like. An opportunity to tell a joke versus whether you should hold hold back and not go for the laugh. Yeah. And, you know, it's a balancing act. But every few years you have to remind yourself that, you know, sometimes the laugh just isn't worth it. I mean, he's just trying to make his girlfriend chuckle. Right. Yeah. The, and the, he got banged. The risk-reward in this one is, yeah. is pretty off. This was like the Chad... Ocho Cinco signing of the Patriots of, of jokes here. I mean, the, the the possible reward was pretty low, risk massive. At the most, right, three people are going to hear the joke. Right. right. And you're one of them. Two of them have control over, well, yeah, <laughs> one of them has control over the next, you know, however many nights of your life. And uh, finally in the news, the Lions uh, began their off-season program on Monday. So good for them. Getting to work nice and early this year after learning a very hard lesson that there are no shortcuts during the summertime in the NFL. You famously weren't happy that they started training camp after uh, all the other teams, even though league rules didn't allow them to start training camp till well, after all the other teams. Left. I think they realized I think they realized they're going to have to be all in this year. It's going to take another level of commitment considering the backup quarterback they signed. Who was it again? Oh, it was your boy. Matt Castle. Oh, yeah, that didn't even make the show. This is what happens when you go on vacation, (laughs) Wes, that Matt Castle signs and it doesn't even make the show. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this in the NFL where a guy has demonstrated that he can only throw in a 10-by-10 yard box and people (laughs) still keep signing him. We should try to get Matt on the show. Let's do it. It's like if a Matt Castle signing – if Matt Castle signs and Wes isn't there to deride it, 
the, did it really happen? I feel like All Matt right. Castle would probably be right there with Wes. It's like, get me out, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even blaming him. But did the, did the Lions not watch the last two years of tape on Matt well, Last he, three years uh, of he tape? He hasn't played in – yeah, that, he has played a little bit. It, he the Dolphins in, game was glorious last He year. is in the Josh McCown or – I'm trying to think of some other examples of uh, these Josh guys. Josh McCown is way better than He is. Castle. He is. But that in, the, in theory, they sell it as – He's a great veteran to have in the room. It's like another coach. Well, then again, he's just now reaching the phase of hire another coach. It's like another coach <laughs> yeah. in the room. He's just now reaching yeah. where Matt Schaub was in 2013, and that guy's still in the league. <laughs> That's true. Maybe the reason they did start practicing on Monday is because Castle was like, I'll sign on one condition. You guys work hard this summer. Yeah. They're gonna oh, tr- that's the guy we want in the building. They're going to try hard now, baby. Mm. Leadership. That's what's happening in the news. And now a word from our sponsor. Spending too much time at the office, on the couch, or sitting in the car, you begin to confuse what you do with who you are. That's why you need Spartan. Spartan is an obstacle course racing company with races for every athletic ability and skill level. Ever do a race like this before, Claybon? Yes, I have. Is it Was it a Spartan race? It, it was not. It then was... you're doing it wrong, bro. <laughs> but did you have a good time doing it? It was great fun. Okay. Well, anyway. But it's all about Spartan, and it's not just a race. It's a way of life with over 60 races all around the country, starting with 3-plus miles, 20-plus obstacle sprint, all the way to the 14-plus mile, 30-plus obstacle beast. You didn't do any of this stuff. I no, not, not a 30-plus and a beast? Any racer can find what's right for them as long as you leave your excuses behind. You work hard. You push yourself through the weekday grind. Listen, Wes, this is you. Push yourself through the weekday grind with grit, discipline, and determination. Bring that same determination to a Spartan race near you. Let it propel you through hills, climbs, and carries. Will it be easy? No. No. Will it be worth it? Yes. You're damn right it will be. Sign up for the best weekend meeting of your life and race alongside fellow Spartans like Randy Moss, the NFL player, presumably. Excuses don't live here. Find your Spartan race today. Visit Spartan.com backslash around for an exclusive offer to find a race near you and view training and nutrition tips. Spartan, baby. All right, here we go. Wes, it's your favorite time of year, so let's dig in to some saucy narratives of the offseason. Are we buying? We selling? We holding? Okay. 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 Well, I, I, I don't want to, like, undermine your segment. I'm still not clear it's, what a narrative way, it's is. our segment, Wes. I'm, You're uh, back from vacation. I'm, Rejoin the group. I'm in. I, I've got some narratives that I think are narratives, but I'm still not sure what a narrative is. All right. We're is. not going to start with you then. So we'll, uh, get, we'll <laughs> get things off on a, on a steady foot. And let me get it going. I'll start with uh, there's a report. You ready? Does a report count as a narrative, or does it help to? That's what I'm saying. What is a Maybe narrative? We shouldn't call it narratives; just stories. I feel All like right. a report is only one faction of the narrative. That a report would not be a narrative. I would the segment say. could be: Is this a narrative? This is what <laughs> and you know. It's funny. That's true. What's funny is that, for instance, a report today: an NFL talent evaluator told. NJ Advanced Media's Matt Lombardo, the Giants will select USC quarterback Sam Darnold if he is available at number two overall. Okay. I was going to do mine, and the name yeah, of it— w- That was going to be in the news. Now it's moved from the news to the That narrative. was also going to be my narrative. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I had it as the Giants will trade out of the number two pick or select a player who isn't a quarterback. Okay. That was the narrative that, that, that I was quoting. That's okay. fair. Okay. That is kind of the narrative. And I will sell hard on that narrative hmm. for this reason, um, that the Giants are too smart to mess this up. 
in my opinion, knowing this organization and knowing everything, there have been bumps on the in the road recently for the Giants. They they really butchered the the Eli benching and how that was handled in general. And, and maybe some people aren't so hot on this head coach hire. Uh, the 2017 football season, I feel like, was a misstep for the the organization. It was, and maybe that's either you could look at it two ways. The, the trying to win football right. games. You could look at it two ways. It's either that was a bump in the road for the organization, a bad year last year, or maybe they they have some issues right now upstairs and it's leading to bad decision-making. However, they are number two, and they're very lucky to be there because they haven't been this bad in many years, and it just happened to fall where they dropped a 3-13 and bomb when this was a rich prospect class. They're sitting at number two. Eli, and you guys, I know you guys love this stuff. He's 37 and is showing clear signs of decline at this point. And I know they, you know, they love the Notre Dame guard, and I know they love the Penn State running back and all that. But it is just crazy to me to think that they would not build a bridge to the future with one of these hotshot guys. I don't know who it would be, uh, but Mm. I would be stunned if they trade out or don't take a quarterback. So I am absolutely selling on the idea that they don't do it. This was mine narrative too. And I would just add that, especially against the backdrop of what's going on in the NFL this offseason, as far as the price that teams are paying to get up, go up and get a quarterback, mm. what the Jets gave up to go up to get in a position to take a quarterback, the Giants are already in that position. And you're telling me they're going to pass on a guy who can replace Eli Manning, who, come on, that guy cannot carry the Giants offense. They'd be lucky, even as I'm an Eli supporter, as you guys know, but they would be very lucky if Eli gives them two more years of even average quarterback play. It's just the nature of the game and the You're way selling, he selling, Wes. I'm on Dan's side on this, and in fact, more confusion with the narrative. How does this even become a report that some random talent evaluator, not even in the Giants' front office, is saying what the Giants will do at number two, as if David Gettleman's going to tell some guy not affiliated with the organization what his plans are at number two? Yeah, that's why it can't be the dominating narrative. It the can't narrative be a narrative because it's completely made up. Or not taking. Unless, of course, it's a Gettleman smokescreen. Oh, okay. I think he's, he's doing a little. <laughs> now we're through the looking glass. But uh, I would, I would. Leaning, leaning, hold here. Um, I Ooh, agree. hold. <laughs> I agree um, that it's it's a preposterous situation considering the price, as, as Wes mentioned. Right. But if somebody does, let's say Buffalo is there at twelve and they've got their cachet at picks, if they do make an offer that's wild to Gettleman, and he's not sold uh, on Josh Rosen like a lot of people are, um, like I, I would say, yeah. He, if Rosen's there, if Darnold's there, you take one. You if, take, if, you take, you, that, if you look at history, Gettleman's never traded back in the first round. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but just worth noting. But, you know, if, if, if in Buffalo that's what they want to do and the price is right, I can see them trading out. But I, could, I, I do. Who knows? They might have traded with the Jets if the Jets had just picked up the phone. I mean, that that was a crazy decision by the Jets not to call the Giants because I am buying this narrative. Mm. I'm on the other side. Ooh. And it's because... I just think they've gone too far down the road with Eli Manning in terms of telling him how much they love him. He made it very clear after the season that he did not want a number two overall pick in the building. That that story's kind of been forgotten because it was even before Pat Shermer was hired. But he made it pretty clear in some interviews that he wouldn't really appreciate that. What quarterback would? What, what quarterback would? Not blaming him at all. Yeah. My point is that they have gone so far to the mat for him with him publicly 
and they've kind of talked about building this offense and how Pat Shermer is the perfect guy for him. Like, I'm, I believe them because I don't think – I think taking him almost would be a slap in the face to Eli Manning. Not, you know, as much as people thought <laughs> starting Geno Smith was, but I think the way that they've positioned it, that they've said Eli is our guy. And so I, I am believing them There's that also- they want – I don't think it's a good idea, but I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to take Chubb. Uh, or someone they'll like that, right or they'll back. trade back. They'll be right back in the same position next Fine. year and can take a quarter. I, I kind of agree with you. I, as a, as a, you know, I haven't necessarily rooted on the Giants over the years on this show. No, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with them right. sticking with Eli. Go for it. All right. Let's move on. Patrick, do you want to try? Uh, yes. Uh, Let it rip. Submit this if it is a narrative. The idea of a culture change to fix your team and make it a better team in 2018. Uh, I've, I've Googled Chicago Bears culture change. I've Googled <laughs> Miami Dolphins culture change. Um, I've heard that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to change the culture in their locker room. Mm. The Raiders plan on doing it. I, well, they got I can't for the life of me figure out what the hell it means. <laughs> so the general idea of a culture change. Ooh, I like this. He's thinking big. That it even means something. All right. That, that's a narrative. So to what me. are you? Are you? You're selling them? Yes. Super sell. Hard sell on the that cult- on this nebulous culture- idea. That you're going to change the culture of your locker room. I I have a hot take. Fashion. You can change the culture of your locker room if you have the right guy that comes in and can do it. Like Bill Parcells, he could change the culture of an organization overnight. But there aren't a lot of Bill Parcells. Most of the, if you're asking Matt Patricia to change the culture, uh, I don't know. But and, I, and a lot of the teams you mentioned aren't even changing. Yeah, the I'll, I'll allow it if you're changing your coach, right? Who's going to have meetings at a different time? But right. if you get rid of Indomitian Sue and Jarvis Landry, and so now it's like, we've got a different oh, culture that, oh, Well, that I agree with totally. It, that's, that's BS. Yeah, as it turns out, banishing Jay Ajayi to the <laughs> Super Bowl champions doesn't really change your culture. I disagree. I feel like it really had a positive effect. Yeah, on Jay Ajayi. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Is Adam Gase going to be changing the culture, or is that culture going to be improved just because Sue's not there? Even though there's a lot of talk that Sue wasn't even a bad guy. It was just a, a situation where he got stuck with that type of stigma. I'll what? sell that too because there's 53 guys. There's 90 in the offseason, and then there's 53 in in the season. That's it's like it's hard to change an entire culture just with you know whatever that even means. What does it mean? Wait, Greg? It's 53. It doesn't mean anything. Culture matters, but our ability to change it by making decisions is overrated. Mm. It, it it evolves naturally. And usually from a bunch of people playing on the same team together, coming up together. But even then, you can add somebody who changes the. I, I do believe that culture can be changed. I just don't think we can we can do it whatever we want to or however we want to. It, it's beyond our control. I might have picked a. I might have picked a bad. Name. No, I thought that was it was good because we're all it's all auto sell and it's just like ah, <laughs> I like, want yeah. yeah. All right, Wes, you want to give it's us provocative, a very provocative, audacious. <laughs> Again, confusion with the narrative here, but pick pick from any of the above. Josh Rosen's intelligence is a problem. His status as a millennial is a problem. He, him being too stubborn or cocky is a problem. How about he had two concussions last year? Shouldn't we be talking more about that than all of this nonsense about having, as Kevin Clark from The Ringer put it, a lot of the same traits as Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers mentally and Peyton Manning mentally, and this is what's getting picked apart? The guy – here's what we know about Josh Rosen. He, everybody agrees he can play. And he's smart enough to do everything an NFL quarterback has to do at the line of scrimmage and post-snap. So he can play, and he's smart. And we're worried about all this other nonsense that 
I'm 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 selling on any of that meaning anything. Mm. Um, I'm with you. The, yeah, the especially the way that uh, Mora put it. He's a guy that wants to know why. <laughs> Good. Like, why is that a bad thing? Big Sean McVay would have any problem with that? The smart coaches get that. And maybe Mora would say, and I don't want to, because Mora's gotten himself in enough trouble. I don't want to, you know, I don't think he never necessarily said the why comment and then the millennial thing as a hardcore negative thing, but you have to have the right staff to handle a why guy. And it's like, I mean, if why you don't, don't you have that if staff? you don't have that staff, then you're like Rich Kotite staff or something, and you're already screwed anyway. Yeah. If you don't have that staff, you're playing for like eight and eight. If you're if you don't have that staff, you're you're coming and you know working for NFL Network. And, and people were <laughs> yeesh. <laughs> oh no, burner. People were confused about like, well, is that is is that a negative thing that Jim Mora is saying it? He was saying it in response to a question about why he would have put Darnold right. as the pick for the Browns. So. Well, yeah, even that was weird because Darnold was more that. suited to the city he would be playing in. What does that even mean? They're they're from like twenty five minutes apart. Yeah, what is he's, he's like? It's like Sam Darnold's from a coal town that's hard, down on his luck. He's not, you know, he's, he's not coming up. Man's neck of the and then you got Josh Rosen, the liberal elite out there, with his <laughs> anti-Trump yeah. statements, and it's like, oh, because I, I'm honestly, I, I feel like that's the root of it. Mm. He's con- smart in the wrong direction. Yeah, the concussion yeah, thing is is a concern though. It's and a, a, sh- it's I a think fair a shoulder thing, injury is a well. fair thing to bring up. Yeah, the the health risks are, are fair. Because concussions, what we know is that if you have one or two or three, you're more likely to have more. Right. We just don't know. We have no ability to predict, predict when those concussions will happen. Greg, your turn. All right, here's a narrative for you. <laughs> yeah. The Rams, they've added too many good, too many players. Too many guys. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be – they're asking too much of Sean McVay. Too much doubt. Like a lot of, lot of different personalities here, a lot of changes, a lot of, you know – Keep Talib and Sue and Peters, lots Culture. of, lots Culture. of handle and expectations. Culture. They're people with That's your personalities. Narrative. That's your narrative. A team needs to sign a bunch of players without personalities. Where it's just a <laughs> bunch of tough to do. mutes. So you're selling that narrative. I'm I don't know. I are we are we yeah, I'm selling Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, thought you were just throwing them out. Yeah. I think you could definitely argue they're less likely to repeat their success just because so much went right last year. Sure. And health is always in the NFL. They were one of the healthiest teams of the last decade. I but think. I don't think it's because Wade Phillips and Sean McVay can't control these men. Too many players. What? Yeah, what does it mean, actually? It means that it'll be so much new talent that they might struggle to find for these guys maybe to get comfortable and also to find put them into the scheme in a way – that will be people, as successful as the p- previous players. People are uncomfortable, I think, with the idea in football that, like, okay, you add a bunch of star players and then suddenly you're good because that doesn't necessarily work because it's such a team game. But that, like, so many of the recent champions have added a ton of players, like the including the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, which team made more transactions over the last two seasons than the Eagles? Like, adding, like, I, I think that's kind of an old. That's the way NFL used to work when you were able to have continuity. But adding a lot of players like that alone is not going to make me discount you at all. That's basically how the NFL works now. I think the narrative is an offshoot of distraction truthering. Like, uh, you know, these this guys, they're going to have a conversation in the locker room and then they're not going to like each other and they're not going to play well because they're distracted. Right. I mean, that's a lot. That's the idea. Yeah. That I mean, some, somebody's going to say something. Do you know your your team is in a really good place? If the number one narrative of doubt is, are there too many good players now? <laughs> right. On the roster? And and like, expectations. how are they going to handle expectations? Which is like. 
they, they were they were one of the worst teams in the league two years ago. So if that's like your biggest issue, it all comes back to culture. Do you have the culture <laughs> in place that can handle expectations? Culture in this instance is a gym that you find in an <laughs> another in narrative is kind mountain. of that Sean McVay can can do anything that they just trust. You know, send send your people to Sean McVay. Right, it helps when your offensive yeah, coach is smarter smart. than the rest of the offensive coach. Less than a year older than Indomitian Sue, by the way, Sean McVay. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Uh, over under Rams wins Patrick Claybon twelve and a half. It's been set. Twelve, oh, very high. Wow. So you said eleven and a half last oh, show. It's been, it moved up. It moved. Yeah. Line moved. I'm taking, NFL, the, I'm under, taking under. the under. Yeah, <laughs> taking I'm taking the under. The under the I just want to see if anybody was super bullish on this Rams team. Just checking. It's a tough conference. I don't have that much confidence in Jared Koff. Sorry. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, one more time through, I will talk the Buffalo Bills. And the narrative around the Bills is that they will use their two first-round picks, uh, I believe, at 12 and 22 or 21, one of those, uh, to get one of the, quote, big four. Who are the big four? We know it by now. Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, or Baker Mayfield. Why doesn't... Lamar Jackson get to be part of a big five. He has not been brought up in that narrative sense. Oh, because like he's in the he's been grouped with the Lamar Jackson, and then uh, so the big the other, four is a subset narrative of the prime narrative. Yes. Okay. Right. Am I? I'm right. Right. These are the there are that, four guys that are feels. grouped together. Yeah. No, I think that's that, that, that is think, the narrative. I think Jackson this, and Mason Rudolph are in that like next tier. It seems. And I think the over under on quarterbacks taken in the first round is probably five and a half or even six, you know, because I think at this point people expect Jackson to go in the first round and, and maybe Mason Rudolph. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, the Bills will use their two first-round picks to get one of the big four or make a play to get one of the big four. I am buying on this uh, just because I've, they're, they're in too deep now mm-hmm. because the Jets made their move, so they're going to get one of the big four. Uh, the Patriots now – of all teams, it's like an Independence Day when the ship goes over the White House and it's just waiting there and you're waiting for them to strike. That's the Patriots. So that adds more like stress and anxiety, I'm sure, on one Bill's drive or wherever they play, wherever their facility is. I think that might be right, actually. I think it is. One Bill's drive in uh, western New York. Uh, so what is Billy Bean going to do, Brandon Bean? He's not going st- to stay and let the, the pick come to him, I don't think. And by the way, I believe he traded or the Bills traded out of their pick – that became Patrick Mahomes last year. So you got that history, mm. and and I just don't think that they are going to come to this point to let the draft come to them because they would have serious egg on their face, especially if you don't believe A.J. McCarron is a 16-game starter. So I believe they make a big move, and it might cost more than those two first-rounders to get it done at this point. And I think this is very good news for the Browns at four, the Broncos at five, potentially, the Colts at six, definitely, maybe even the Bucks and Bears at seven or eight. I think the Bills are making another move to get up. No, I don't think anything they've done makes sense if they don't end up following right. through on that. No, Nobody, unless... Unless they love Lamar Jackson and they think he's going to get to them. But would they wait? I think even yeah. if it was a Lamar Jackson, they would maybe want to move up to make sure they don't get left out in the cold. It's kind of, I would think it would be a very unsettling time to be uh, in the Bills front office when you see what's happening in your division during this draft. Especially after you're amassing all of this uh, material in slow motion and then the Jets bang you and go ahead and make their move. And then you're, mm. you're sitting there left with all this ammunition. They already and, got banged by the Jets. And you don't even know if you can, if you can use it here. So I, I'm, I'm going to buy it as well. I, I don't. Very rare that the Jets bang anyone. So I'll, I'll take They've it. They've got them in checkmate right now. They've got the, they got the right bills now. here. Yeah. 
I'll I'll buy it as well because I think one of those quarterbacks it, they don't necessarily have to get into the top four or even five. That that drafts are surprising, and maybe one of them that they happen to like slips past, and they only have to move up to eight, and it's not going to cost them a crazy amount. They're going to do it. They're not they, going to sit around. They made the playoffs last year, and they are not currently relevant. There are re- so what do you do in the NFL to become relevant? Because they, this is a team without an identity. What what do you think of when you think of the Bills? Their defense that Sean McDermott, in theory, has a sound. <laughs> they're a they're a team defense. in theory, right? Sneak, has a sound defense. Sneak theory, this. And I I'm no, I'm just saying, like, yeah, they were a solid <laughs> defense last year. It's like, oh, they tackled well. They, you know. They didn't and if a team beat. is desperate for relevance and really wants to finally get back on the map, and the Bills really, even though they made the playoffs, Baker Mayfield feels like a guy mm. that they would maybe just say, yeah. F it, let's fly and see if this works out. They're the Vladivostok of the NFL. <laughs> They're literally off the map. I, I was thinking, what's That's team? a West ref I don't get. <laughs> Missed it. Vlada, it's an outpost in – Patrick probably knows. It's an outpost in well, you both far eastern far away Russia, yeah. closer to Japan. But, yeah, yeah it's – Way out there. It's an outpost. There are many teams that you could quali- qualify as uh, rebuilding in the NFL right now. I think the Bills would qualify, and the Cardinals would qualify. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not sure if any others. I guess the Bears. Jets are stupid. Jets are rebuilding. Bears have been for a while. Browns aren't perpetually oh, yeah, okay, rebuilding. Jets, Jets. Yeah. I guess I was no. thinking NFC off the top of my head. Uh, Claybon. Ryan Tannehill, still quarterback of the future hmm. in Miami. That's, That's a good one. Let's see. I'm going to hold. Thought it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> wow. That's our second hold. Bro. You thought it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> it's happening. And here's why. Because they, they are holding. They aren't really sure. They don't really – they're not buying. But they don't aren't filled with the confidence and maybe not with the uh, agreement between coaches and front office and – they don't know how this draft and everything is going to go. So maybe this isn't a good position to be in holding from their end, but I don't think they know whether they can do better. So they're just kind of seeing what's going to happen. If it depends on the draft though, if if the draft shakes out differently and, and quarterbacks are there at 11, does that? Yeah. Then does, if that impacts decision, then are they really that invested in him in the first place? I, I very rarely – it's a great it's a great point, Patrick. It's, I rarely get a chance, or we don't get a chance. We go off reports on things, but we actually had the head coach in the room with us at the owners' meetings, and the way he explained it, you know, he said, I've only had Ryan for 13 of my 33 games. And the way I read it, and, and he was an interest, interesting guy to try to read, but I think he really liked what he had in Tannehill when he was healthy. And I think Gase, I don't know what it means for, like, future or is he the long-term answer, but I don't think Gase is going to bail on Tannehill in 2018, even if there's somebody in the draft that they like. I think they have so many needs on both sides of the ball that they keep rolling with Tannehill. So I am uh, buying Buying. your narrative. Well, before this became a full-fledged narrative and it was only a report way back when. The good old days. Yeah, you know, a couple of months ago. Yeah. the, The perception was that, one of those guys, Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen, would be available for the Dolphins, and it was easier to buy then. I think the quarterback market has moved on the Dolphins, and for better or worse, they're stuck with Tannehill. Mm. Uh, Wes, S- strange things are. Wait, did you, Wes, uh, Patrick? Did you offer your buy hold sell there? Oh, I'm I'm buying it. You're buying. Okay. Strange things are afoot in Foxborough, meaning that that starting with the sec- with Seth Wickersham. 
long form on Belichick and the problems with him and Brady and Kraft. I don't think that's been ironed out. And Dan, I, I'm going on record. Mm-hmm. The dynasty's over. Whew. Yes. I've never said this, but I, I, on board. I, I think there there is something really there. There are problems with with Brady, Gronk, and Belichick. And and Brady and Gronk are the best in the NFL at what they do. Right. Now, all that can be ironed out, but it seems to me that there are real problems. Those are the three most important figures in the whole organization. Gronk's not one of the three most important figures. Ooh. I mean, Robert Kraft is. But that that's a small... Okay. <laughs> the look I'm just saying, saying it's Gronk. It's Gronk. <laughs> All right. Three of the top four most important <laughs> figures. You okay now, Greg? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they're both the two players are crossed with the coach, and the coach. I don't think the coach is going anywhere. Oh, I'm with you. I'm buying in, and you know I'd buy anyway, but actually believe it. And as as much as I enjoy it, I'm I'm actually going to hold uh, this conversation <laughs> and this narrative um, because I think what we've seen, starting with the Wickersham article. Is like a narrative regression to the mean with regards to the Patriots. Like everything has been so glowing. You know, these guys were doing their job. They're the best franchise ever. They do it the Patriot way. Yeah, that was last offseason when they were going to go 19 and 0. But, but now, like, there's just casual stories. Like, we don't even know what Belichick said to Gronk. He, he could have said, hey, I hope those avocado shakes are good. And then everybody had a good laugh. Doesn't but, sound like it, though. It, and now he wants it does to be a kind wrestler. of sound like it that basically Gronk had a really poor start at training camp. He knew it, and and Belichick, which you can really easily imagine, made some sarcastic comment about you know looks like you're the new training regimen you know not working out too great, Gronk, and you know yeah actually he's a jerk about it, but Nick's, not that big a deal. Nick's my hold. I, I'm a full fledged sell on this. The Patriots have mm-hmm. been they're a team that's been coached well and they have good players, and I don't think that's changed. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm selling. Good on you getting off the hold. That's fair. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm going to sell and just remind something of Wes said at the beginning of the show. You know, this is the time of year when you wonder if any of these stories this really is, matter at oh, all. It, it, it goes back, though, to a time when football was being played. It goes back to the coach screwing, right, screwing I, the organization for a Super Bowl strategy. But I guess I would say since all those stories came up, they had one of the great comebacks against one of the great defenses in NFL history. They were tied in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. And that's why I'm selling just that I think the dynasty might be over in the sense that they're unlikely to win another title just because the odds are against you, them. But I think they can be a good football team just like they were after the whole Brady thing. You it, neglected to mention that the coach cost them a Super Bowl with his ridiculous decision to bench Malcolm Butler. I wouldn't say that. That necessarily cost him. Oh, but yeah, I think was, it did. But what does that have to do with anything? With that has the, nothing to do with. That has nothing to do with Tom Brady being unhappy. Do you feel the game would have played out differently? If of Malcolm course, Butler's of played? course, it would. I'm just saying that then a million different things are. How do we different. know that Tom Brady wasn't unhappy with Belichick about the? Butler? But did, I don't think that affected his play during one of the great performances in NFL history. It didn't, but it could affect how many years he wants to play. Considering this team and the ownership and the coaching staff and all of the personalities. It's, it was never a, pers- a personality problem for the Patriots before, but now we, we see these guys clashing. I don't think it ultimately really matters any personality clash. Like, can you execute well on the field? They've done it well. Uh, so they, like, Brady and Belichick might not really like each other that much, and that's okay. It'd be almost weird if they did by this point. Uh, <laughs> after, after all this. Greg, finishes uh, off. How about uh, that the Broncos will not – take a quarterback 
with their selection. They've spent so much guaranteed money on Case Keenum, and John Elway would not want to put himself in the position of having taken two first-round picks in three years because if you were wrong a second time, then you got real problems. And I'm selling on that. That they... I'm... I'm I I think they have I think they are in the market for a quarterback. Well, th- I don't know if they'll take it or not cuz it, it has to depend on who's available and certain things. I don't necessarily think they're trading up, but I I think they have to be in the market for a quarterback and I don't think John Elway would be afraid if the right if if he's into one of these players and it gets to him that I don't think he'd be afraid to take one. Why? Cuz of Case Keenum, give me a break. I agree with you that I don't think Elway would rule out a quarterback. Maybe he loves somebody, but I did. I'm a little surprised just seeing this now that Keenum, Case Keenum, just turned 30. Um, and when I bring that up, it's because if he really, if Elway really does like Keenum a lot, he might see him as the long term answer, and he's not a two year band aid. Uh, but at the same time, do I necessarily believe that? Probably not, because Keenum had one g- real good year in his whole career. Uh, I'm going to hold on this one. I think this one. Wow. Yeah, this one's a little. I'm vexed by this one because I think if Keenum was 36 or 35, I'd be like, oh well, you know, he's definitely got to. Even if he didn't, even if he loved Keenum, he'd have to look down the road. But I think Keenum is young enough where he, if he likes Keenum, he could say, I'm going to build around this guy. I've lost all confidence in John Elway's ability <laughs> to manage his quarterbacks. Look at their decisions over the last couple of years. They draft Paxton Lynch in the first round. He's been an un. Unqualified bust. Case Keenum, they've got a guy in the building who's been every bit as good as him. Well, up until last year, Trevor Simeon, they could have had Keenum for a lot cheaper the year before. They didn't want him. Now they want him for $40 million more than they were all willing to get him for the year before. And they brought Brock Osweiler back last year. What What is going on with John Elway? And I, I just can't. I can't trust his ability to read quarterbacks anymore. This after almost giving Brock Osweiler the money before he got right. the money from Houston in the yeah. first place. Well, the crazy thing, too, is like uh, Elway was, you know, praised relentlessly until the last 18 months or so. The one thing you wouldn't think he would actually struggle with was a quarterback and knowing the right guy to pick. But that's where we are now, where there's doubt whether Elway knows how to pick the position. He feels He feels desperate, and now he's – Instead of getting out in front of things, he's reacting to things, so, and that's where that's what's driving his decisions. So, are you buying or selling or? Hold got a lot of pop on this show. Hold got more pop than more, this, more than, than we, we thought. Expected. Yeah, I I continue to voice the opinion that if you are going to hold on a podcast, <laughs> you should probably get into a different line of work. Whoa, go! Like, like you're on. <laughs> it's a we, it's think, a vocal I, medium think, to I, give your opinion. I think Claybon. Dan and myself all have one hold each. So, Javon uh, well, got off his hold. You're what? hosting the show. What's solo. show? It's just the solo show. Mike yeah. Francesa like hour. I'm uh, gonna sell. <laughs> I'll buy. I'll buy. <laughs> Wes, respect me. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's pick dependent again. I, I think it depends on who gets there. Um, if he's not in love with Josh Allen and Josh Allen is there, I think Baker would be the pick. Um, but it, and again, it also depends on what Buffalo is willing to do. Are they willing to throw in a first next year? Um, something more from this draft, including the, the two firsts they have to move up. But I, I'm also selling. As, All right. as Greg said on Up to the Minute the other day about Paxton Lynch in the future, mm-hmm. they don't wish ill on Paxton Lynch, but 
but let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a saying, Greg quote. Well, they yeah, they said they said we have you know we wish we Ill. still believe in him, and I was yeah that was a it was a smokescreen segment. I was like, well, I don't think they wish ill on him, but I'm taking <laughs> I don't the position here that starter. that the guiding principle is John Elway's delusion that he has a championship caliber ball club, and he can probably go to another position because Keenum can win them a championship. All right, there you go. Good talk. Irie. Good uh, buy, sell, hold. This one? Yeah. All right. Patrick. I got to look into another career, as do you guys. It's time to move <laughs> on. You got off your hold. <laughs> um, Patrick, you are the man on Up to the Minute live on NFL Network, um, which airs, I believe, at 2 p.m. Pacific time, which is 5 p.m. Eastern. All over that. Yeah, nailed Perfect. it. Uh, and he gives you all that up-to-date information from the newsroom. Uh, so if you want to be in the know during narrative season and, more importantly, draft season, check out Patrick. And also, if you want those hot takes. We want to do some hot takes. We don't want to force it, though. But just know that the hot take on Budsman always is on the lookout. So follow uh, Patrick at Patrick Claybon uh, for fiery takedowns <laughs> Thanks, of bad tweets. Love it. All right. We'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, I think we might go five across with Mark back and Connie Fox. So a lot of catching up to do. Uh, So looking forward to that. Until then, this is Dan Henson signing off for Playbone, Graysville's finest. (laughs) The mailman, the old boss, and Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. Till Wednesday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.